Hello, welcome to Second Impressions, the Pride and Prejudice podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Tom. And we're going through Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice chapter by chapter. And today we are going through volume two, chapter 13. But Tom, why don't you give us a quick recap of what happened in chapter 12? All right, well, going back to volume two, chapter 11, Darcy proposes to Elizabeth and is flatly rejected. And Elizabeth throws two claims at Darcy's face as to why he is not a good person. One, he broke up Jane and Bingley. And two, that he deprived Wickham of his clergy position and has ruined his life forever. And so in the last chapter, Elizabeth is out walking around the grounds of Rosings, walking just outside of it. She sees Darcy, he comes up, he's like, here's a letter, and he walks away. And uh, we read the letter, and it is Darcy's explanations for these two charges that Elizabeth has put at his feet. One is, yes, I did break up. Well, his first explanation is, yes, I did break up Jane and Bingley, but I didn't think Jane was that attached to him, and also your family is a mess, and <laughs> I did not think that I would, Bingley should be attached to that, you know, I don't want Bingley to be a part of that, even though I just proposed to you, but it's <laughs> different for me. Uh, and number two, the charge about Wickham, he was like, actually... Wickham, you know, he was a bad guy, he just likes to drink and have fun, there, our fathers died, and he told me that he doesn't want to be in the clergy anymore, and if I could, I should, he wants, instead, Wickham said instead of being in the clergy, he just wanted Darcy to give him 3,000 pounds, and then he was going to go to law school, so Darcy did this. Wickham, and then eventually the clergy position comes back open, and Wickham comes back, and he's like, I want the clergy position also, and Darcy refuses him. This is all Darcy's explanation, and not only this, but also later on, Wickham tries to seduce and convince Darcy's sister, Miss Darcy, into marrying him, a uh, attempt that Darcy foils at the last minute. Uh, and that that's about all Darcy explains in this letter. Yeah. Okay, so what happens in this chapter, Grace? So in this chapter, we basically get Elizabeth's reaction. The previous chapter was almost like, I feel like the last chapter, Elizabeth's voice almost just disappears for the entire chapter. It's all in Darcy's voice. It's mm -hmm. all Darcy's letter. Yeah, the very last two words of the previous chapter are Fitzwilliam Darcy. Yes. Uh, God bless you, Fitzwilliam Darcy. <laughs> um, and so chapter 13, we finally get to see Elizabeth's reaction. Um, she, at first, just sort of, like, rejects his explanation outright. She's sort of like, how dare you think you can even, like, like justify your actions? But, of course, she can't help but, like, you know, read, reread the letter over and over again. And she, uh, so with the, with regard to Jane and Bingley, at first, she's like, oh, well, that's just ridiculous. Like, I can't believe you would even think that Jane was cold towards Bingley because, like, Jane obviously loved Bingley. Anyone could see that. Um, and then, but then when it comes to the, uh, Wickham situation, she has to, the more she reads the letter, the more she has to realize that, like, oh, a lot of this, a lot of Darcy's explanation actually checks out. And the more... The more it checks out, the more she kind of has to accept that, in fact, Wickham was a bad guy. He was, like, a scoundrel. The more she has to give credit to Darcy's judgment and Darcy's actions. And then she also um, realizes that she had just basically been judging through her own prejudice this entire time. She sort of has, like, a crisis of identity in this chapter, realizing that um, she has not been judging as fairly as she thought she had been and though and then through that she's also able to sort of lend credit to darcy's um to darcy's judgment that oh maybe jane was not as obvious in her affection towards bingley as elizabeth had originally thought um and then uh she Oh, and she's she's walking yeah all this, this, all this, whole all time. These, this is a direct continuation of the last scene where she reads the letter while walking yeah so. i'd almost say this probably happens alongside the previous chapter she's reading the letter and she's reacting as she's reading this letter over and over again well not quite we'll talk about we'll that. talk about yeah, it. yeah 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 but then she finally reaches the collins's home and discovers that she had just missed the two gentlemen of Rosings, Mr. Darcy and Colonel Fitzwilliam, saying goodbye because they are due to leave uh, the next day. Um, and she, and we can get into it, but she 
would have normally been kind of flattered by the fact that Colonel Fitzwilliam came to pay her adieu, but it's almost as if he is no longer in her mind at all. Now all she can think about is Mr. Darcy, but we'll get into that. And okay. that's how the chapter ends. Sounds good. Thanks, Grace. Uh, so here, I'll go ahead and start reading for us. Okay. Chapter 13. If Elizabeth, when Mr. Darcy gave her the letter, did not expect it to contain a renewal of his offers, she had formed no expectation at all of its contents. Okay. So what is that saying? So Elizabeth really, like, if there was not an ex- if there was not a proposal, another proposal in the letter, then she really had no idea what was in the letter at all. Um, well, okay, Elizabeth is not expecting a proposal no. of the letter. It says, if Elizabeth, when Darcy gave her the letter, didn't expect it to contain another proposal, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't have any expectations of what it was going to say. Yeah. So what does that mean? <laughs> Basically that, yeah. right? Uh, so Elizabeth had no expectations of what she was going to find in this letter. I think it's But also... she did not expect it to be a renewal. Of the yeah, uh-huh. but I also think the double negative is sort of like, if, if Elizabeth had... Like, that was the only thing that she could have possibly That's a good imagined point. Yeah, was yeah. a re- renewal of his offers. But um, if that wasn't in the letter, then she absolutely had no idea what could have possibly been in the letter other than a renewal of his offers. Like, if that didn't enter her mind, then she could not have imagined what could possibly be in the letter. I think that's how, that's I, how think I you're right. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Okay. But such as they were, it may well be supposed how eagerly she went through them. And what a contrariety, contrariety, sorry, of emotion they excited. Mm. All sorts of feelings. Uh, the contents. That's what the they refers to. Mm-hmm. But such as the contents were, it may be well supposed how eagerly she went through the contents. Mm-hmm. And what a con- contrariety of emotions they excited. All the different emotions they excited. Mm-hmm. Her feelings, as she read, were scarcely to be defined. With amazement did she first understand that he believed any apology to be in his power, and steadfastly was she persuaded that he could have no explanation to give which a just sense of shame would not conceal. Yep. Okay, so at first she believes that with amazement did she first understand that he believed any apology to be in his power. What does that mean? So, like, she is even just shocked that Darcy could even possibly provide any explanation of, of of his um of the two charges that she laid against him like that she could even that that he could even have an explanation for them is beyond her belief yeah apology is kind of shorthand for explanation so it's just yeah. like the gall that he has and <laughs> thinking he can even possibly explain yeah right? she's like uh-huh. haven't you done enough and now you're gonna write me a letter to talk about this even more yeah and steadfastly was elizabeth persuaded that darcy could have no explanation to give which a just sense of shame would not conceal. Yeah. So she would, not only did she believe that it's impossible for him to have any explanation for what she has charged him with, she's also persuaded that any explanation that he could give, he basically shouldn't. That a just sense of shame would not say any explanation that he's about to give her, right? Yeah. Yeah. If he had any true sense of just shame, he would not even attempt to... Uh provide any explanation absolutely he would just slink off (laughs) with the strong prejudice against everything he might say she Mm. began his account of what had happened at netherfield so that is austin coming in here and saying elizabeth is about to start reading this letter in an extremely prejudiced manner (laughs) she's gonna be very biased with the strong sense of prejudice against everything he might say she began his account of what had happened at netherfield she read with an eagerness which hardly left her power of comprehension, and from impatience of knowing what the next sentence might bring, was incapable of attending to the sense of the one before her eyes. So she's just so eager to see what he's got to say that she's barely even understanding what she's reading, right? Yeah, she's barely even understanding. She just wants to get to the next sentence, and the next sentence, and the one after that, that she also just couldn't even recognize the the sense of the, that the letter was uh, was providing. Yeah, like she's seeing the words, but it's not sinking in <laughs> what, what they really mean. Which this, we can all understand. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you're just so eager that you can't even, you're just taking it all in, you can't even like properly digest it. Uh, this is her first read through. Darcy's belief of her sister's insensibility, she instantly resolved to be false. Yeah, her sister's insensibility towards Bingley. Yeah, Darcy's belief that Jane didn't love Bingley 
Elizabeth instantly decides is not true, Mm -hmm. that he's just lying. And Darcy's account of the real, the worst objections to the match, made her too angry to have any wish of doing him justice. So not only does Elizabeth outright deny or will not allow that, oh, Jane seemed insensitive towards Bingley, also just Darcy's own objection to her family was also just so um, infuriating that that she didn't even want to do Darcy any justice. That she's not going to, like, think that anything he is saying has any merit at all, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's interesting. We're kind of straddling the line here between Elizabeth's point of view and the narrator's larger perspective on Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. So it says, Darcy's belief of Jane's insensibility towards Bingley, Elizabeth instantly resolved to be false. So that resolved is important here. Like... Elizabeth didn't just think it was false. She actively made the decision, oh, that's not true. I reject that. She's choosing to Uh, reject it. Yeah, great. Great word, choose. Uh, She chooses that it is false. And his account of the real, the worst objections. So I think that word real is Elizabeth. Mm. She's like, first, the first claim that he thinks Jane didn't love Bingley, well, that's not true. Mm -hmm. So his real objection is the family connection, right? Yeah, I remember Jane Austen loves um showing how people are willing to believe in things and willing to not believe in things we go through that in darcy's proposal the also proposal, yeah yeah we see that in mrs bennett for example mm-hmm. all the time how she chooses to believe that bingley loved jane and how she all sorts of things so yeah this, i think the choosing to believe certain things or reject certain things i think elizabeth also gets from her mother <laughs> i think that's fair to say yeah, so she just dismisses that claim outright that Darcy didn't see the connection there with Jane and Bingley. So she's like, not true. The real and, you know, harder to hear objections, which is he hates uh, Elizabeth's family, <laughs> just makes her so angry that she's not even going to give any merit to what Darcy is saying. Mm. Darcy expressed no regret for what he had done, which satisfied her. His style was not penitent, his style was not, like, humbling or asking for forgiveness, Mm -hmm. but haughty. It was all pride and insolence. Remember, like, we talked about the opening paragraph of the letter and how he was not trying to really apologize. Uh He's just sort of like, this is my account of what happened. Um, Sorry if it hurts your feelings, but I gotta (laughs) tell you. Uh Well, so this is interesting. It says he expressed no regret for what he had done. Which satisfied Elizabeth. Mm. Why does that satisfy her? Well, I think, well, he, he, she wants him to sort of be, like, apog- like apologetic, to realize that he messed up. Um, well, well, why does it satisfy her that he expresses no regret? Oh, he expressed no regret for what he had done, which satisfied her? Oh, I thought you, I thought it was, like, the regret, like, none of the regret that he expressed satisfied Elizabeth, I thought. But you're reading it as the fact oh, that yeah, he... Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. He expressed no regret for what he had done, which satisfied her. Yeah, 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 I guess that's how it is. He None of the regret he expressed had satisfied Elizabeth. And Maybe this isn't true. I, I feel like you could read it. He expressed no regret for what he had done, and the fact that he expressed no regret satisfied Elizabeth, mm. because then he was acting in the way that she wants to believe he acts like then that is fulfilling her expectation of him which is just cold and heartless yeah he would have been um like justifying her prejudice towards him essentially Uh it's like look this is like i thought you were proud this whole time and your letter proves it i think you're probably right none of the regret he expressed satisfied elizabeth i just kind of i i was reading that more into she has certain like prejudice against Darcy mm. and the fact that he is behaving so proud and haughty in these opening par- paragraphs almost like satisfies her conception of him, right? And I think both things can be true at the same time. I think he she can both be satisfied that that he is still proud in his letter and also be dissatisfied that he had, did not show enough remorse. He did express some regret and yeah. apology. Yeah, yeah. The regret of, oh, I contrived to keep them apart in London. Yeah. But that's... <laughs> that's not enough to satisfy Elizabeth. <laughs> it was all pride and insolence. Yep. But when this subject was succeeded, the subject of Jane and Bingley, was succeeded by his account of Mr. Wickham, when Elizabeth read with somewhat clearer attention a relation of events which, if true, must overthrow every cherished opinion of his worth, and which bore so alarming an affinity 
to Wickham's own history of himself, her feelings were yet more acutely painful and more difficult of definition. So if she could immediately dismiss what Darcy said about Bingley and Jane, um, she has a much harder time uh, dismissing outright what Darcy says about Wickham. Yeah, and she's able to read this section also with a little bit of a clearer head. Yeah. Like, she's not so biased as in the Wickham situation. Yeah, because she's not... I don't think she's so invested with the Wickham situation as she is invested with the Jane situation. Definitely, yeah. So when he's done with talking about Jane and Bingley and the account of Wickham comes out, she reads it with a somewhat clearer attention. Just somewhat, not totally <laughs> clear. Uh, and the relation of events, which true, the events that Darcy's described, must overthrow every cherished opinion Elizabeth had of Wickham's worth, right? Mm, yeah. And which... And the events Darcy described also bore so alarming an affinity to Wickham's own history of himself, mm. her feelings were yet more acutely painful and more difficult of definition. So, Darcy's account of events are actually very similar to the events that Wickham told Elizabeth. Yeah. The, the events that Wickham said transpired. Right. It's not like Wickham said one thing and then Darcy gave a completely different account of what happened, mm -hmm. whereby, like... It, whereby, like, Elizabeth could more easily dismiss what Darcy says. But the fact that Darcy's story about Wickham, as we saw in the letter, was so similar to what Wickham told Elizabeth right. that, like, oh, shit, like, something's not adding up. There must have been something that was omitted by by Wickham, frankly, in this situation. Right. Or this is not, like, they're not two totally divergent sets of situations. Mm. It's just, like, two, how two different people have perceived what happened mm -hmm. and are maybe influencing it you know spinning <laughs> it in their descriptions mm -hmm. and so the fact that these both wickham's account of the story and darcy's are so similar that makes elizabeth's feelings even more acutely painful and more difficult to determine right yeah. like she's having a hard time saying which is the right party in this situation mm -hmm. astonishment apprehension and even horror oppressed elizabeth she wished to discredit in it entirely. She wished to discredit Darcy's claim entirely, repeatedly exclaiming, This must be false. This cannot be. This must be the grossest falsehood. And when she had gone through the whole letter, though scarcely knowing anything of the last page or two, put it hastily away, protesting that she would not regard it, that she would never look in it again. Hmm. So... You know, as with all hard truths, your first reaction is to just deny it. Be like, this can't be true. Like, I, I can't, like, this, this cannot be true. This has to be false. Uh, this is more of like, this is in the same way that she resolved to think <laughs> that Darcy's claim that Jane didn't like Bingley was false. She's trying to convince herself that this claim must also be false, that yeah. Wickham is just a profiligate. Yep, so then when she had gone through the whole letter, mm -hmm. though scarcely knowing anything of the last page or two, so barely even reading the second account, which is the whole Wickham story. She's just sort mm. of, like, she's reading it through as fast as she can, but, like, she can barely even, like, can barely even, like, digest she's it. She's not thinking about much about the Miss Darcy element right now. Yeah. She's just thinking about the story with the living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that she had to put it away and say that she will never look at it again. Uh, well, this is, I think this is a tip-off to what's going to happen in the next paragraph. <laughs> so she's very easily able to be, like... Darcy didn't really think that Jane had no affection for Bingley. That's false. That's mm -hmm. the work of a moment. But here, she's, like, actually talking to herself. She, You can see that she's trying to convince herself. This must be false, right? Yeah, yeah. She, I can't yeah. believe this. Mm -hmm. And she puts the letter away and says she's never going to look at it. If you're proclaiming to yourself, I can't believe this, deep down, you sort of can believe it. <laughs> right, I think so. Yeah. Uh, or at least it's taking her a greater effort to convince herself otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to read the next paragraph, Grace? Okay, sure. So right after she vows that she will never look at it again, in this perturbed state of mind, with thoughts that could rest on nothing, she walked on. But it would not do. In half a minute, the letter was unfolded again, and collecting herself as well as she could, she again began the mortifying perusal of all that related to Wickham, and commanded herself so far as to examine the meaning of every sentence. Okay, does this seem like the actions of someone who is 
totally not buying a claim Mm-mm. to like reread even in closer with a greater attention to detail. Yeah. She's reading the letter like we're reading Pride and Prejudice right now. <laughs> uh, so she puts it away, says, I'm never going to look at it again. Then she takes it right out a half a minute later. Mm-hmm. Um, the account of Wickham's connection with the Pemberley family was exactly what he had related himself. Mm-hmm. And the kindness of the late Mr. Darcy though she had not known before its extent, agreed equally well with his own words, with Mr. With the present Darcy's own words. Yeah, so this is uh, just more of the explanation of... it's. Their two stories are very, very similar, and mm-hmm. so that's why I have to give this a closer look. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Wickham said that the late Mr. Darcy treated him like a son and was his godfather and was... Um, and preferred Wickham over Darcy, and Mr. Darcy in the letter agreed. He's like, yeah, all of that is true. Well, he didn't say that he preferred Wickham over me. I think he did. The preferred... The preferred... I think he said preferred in the letter. I feel like that was, like, his choice of getting the living. I guess you'll have to go back and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was maybe Darcy Uh, speaking through Wickham's voice. But Darcy does, uh, you know, he says the same thing Wickham says in that my... like, Wickham's father was a great favorite of my father, and my father took Wickham under his wing, and he promised to give him this living. Yes. Uh-huh. So far, each recital confirmed the other. So, they Darcy and Wickham confirmed each other's mm-hmm. story. But when she came to the will, the difference was great. The will of the living. What Wickham had said of the living was fresh in her memory, and as she recalled his very words, it was impossible not to feel that there was a gross duplicity on one side or the other. And, for a few moments, she flattered herself that her wishes did not err. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are her wishes? That Wickham was telling the truth. That the duplicity is all on Darcy's yeah. side. And for so for a few moments, Elizabeth's able to be like, <laughs> this is more of like wish fulfillment. Like, my wish that Wickham is in the right must be true, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which actually is very, in contrast to what Darcy proclaimed about himself, is that he doesn't, his wishes do not impede his own judgment. That's true, well, especially <laughs> when it comes to Elizabeth. He yeah. wishes he didn't love her. <laughs> but when she read and reread with the closest attention, the particulars immediately following of Wickham's resigning all pretensions to the living, of his receiving in lieu so considerable a sum as £3,000, again was she forced to hesitate. So she, for a moment, just sort of was clinging on to the hope that Wickham was is telling the truth and mm-hmm. that Darcy is lying. Yeah. But then when she gets to the part about Wickham giving up the living to receive 3,000 pounds, this causes Elizabeth to kind of hesitate in her um, in her steadfast belief in Wickham. What do, what do you think it is about this detail that forces Elizabeth to hesitate? Hmm. Well... What, 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 do you, what do you think? I don't have a good answer. I think it's maybe it just is such a, like a specific uh, detail that she's like, well, maybe there's something in value for, in it, right? This would be a very like specific lie to come up with, even to name the sum of three thousand pounds. We're gonna maybe get into it a little bit more, but there was the thing about her justifying Wickham's sort of uh, what's the word? Um, um mercenary ways cash grabbery yeah yeah so maybe it's like oh maybe that's a little kind of in character for yeah Wickham. well she already excuses his uh you know courting miss king like yeah. the young rich woman because like she's she just like oh wickham needs money right mm-hmm. so she's like oh i know wickham needs money so that kind <laughs> of aligns yeah she put down the letter weighed every circumstance with what she meant to be impartiality with what she meant to be impartiality <laughs> deliberated on the probability of each statement but with little success. Yeah, so not true impartiality, but she is striving to be impartial. So that's a change from the last page already, right? Mm -hmm. And she's trying to weigh what Wickham said versus what Darcy said, Mm -hmm. but with little success. On both sides, it was only assertion. But she's already, you can see her relenting already. Already Darcy is, well, I'm going to at least consider Darcy's claim here instead of outright reject it. Yeah, if there's a spectrum with Wickham on one side and Darcy on the other... When she first read the letter, she was definitely all the way Team Wickham, but now it's sort of like she's gravitating at least towards the middle. Where uh-huh. like, oh, both parties have, like, equal f- footing. Yeah, Darcy's not outright lying. Yeah. And if anything, some of the things he said even seem to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, again, she read on. But every line proved more clearly that the affair 
which she had believed it impossible that any contrivance could so represent as to render Mr. Darcy's conduct in it less than infamous, was capable of a turn which must make him entirely blameless throughout the whole. Let's break down this sentence. Okay. But every line proved more clearly that the affair... Uh Uh-huh, like the whole situation. mm -hmm, Which she had believed it impossible that any contrivance, any like made up thing uh-huh. could so represent as to render Mr. Darcy's conduct in it less than infamous. Okay. Let's pause. Yeah. So the Darcy Wickham affair, Elizabeth had previously thought that nothing Darcy could say could convince her that the way he acted in that affair was anything less than reprehensible. Right. Mm. There was no way that Elizabeth could have been convinced that Darcy was anything less than a total heel in mm-hmm. that situation. Right. Mm-hmm. But however, now she realizes what? Was capable of a turn. The affair was capable of a turn. Yeah, of uh-huh. um, a turn meaning like another interpretation. Of a of an interpretation which must make him, must make Darcy yeah. entirely blameless throughout the whole. Oh. Uh, so this affair, which she had thought Darcy was completely at fault, mm-hmm. she is now realizing that maybe there's an interpretation of it in which Darcy is actually blameless, yeah. right? So that's a big 360. Yeah. That's truly a turn. Mm-hmm. A volta, maybe. <laughs> um, the extravagance and general profligacy, which he scrupled not to lay at Mr. Wickham's charge. Which Darcy scrupled not. Uh-huh. He did not hesitate to lay at Mr. Wickham's charge the general profligacy, um, the... Um, like sinfulness the... yeah, yeah 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 we can imagine what that means <laughs> exceedingly shocked her just probably clutching her pearls as <laughs> she read it the more so as she could bring no proof of its injustice so what does that mean so all of the things that darcy is laying at wickham's charge they shocked her but also she she couldn't deny that um it's it's warranted darcy's um darcy's uh charge towards Wickham is warranted because mm. Wickham acted like a scoundrel. Well, she has no proof against it at this she has, point. Yeah, she has yeah, no yeah. proof. Uh-huh. She's like, well, I can't disprove anything Darcy is saying. Yeah, right? I can't uh-huh. I can't disprove some I can't disprove what Darcy is saying as to make Darcy's charge in not just not just. Right, right. It's I can't prove the injustice of Darcy's charge. <laughs> and why is that? She's gonna explain why she can't. She had ne- never heard of him, of Wickham, of Wickham uh-huh. before his entrance into the Blankshire militia, in which he had engaged at the persuasion of the young man who, on meeting him accidentally in town, had there renewed a slight acquaintance. What is that talking about? Um, the persuasion of the young man that, is it Mr. Um Denny? Is it Denny? I can't quite remember. Ha- this is like the history, it's kind of weird to throw this in here, but this is the history of how Wickham joined the militia, is he was just in a town and he met a guy he knew, and the guy was like, hey, join the military, mm-hmm. right? Renewed a slight acquaintance. So They don't even know him that well. Yeah. So he's kind of like, just just so happened that he was there. Like you could, there's no back. He he just appeared out of nowhere. There's no backstory to him. I think the reason, yeah, that this is included here is to be like, Wickham showed up in this militia out of nowhere, and the reason he's in this militia is kind of sketchy, right? Mm-hmm. Like a guy he knew slightly suggested he should join it. So people don't really know him in this town. Elizabeth had no access to his life story before she saw him for the first time. Yeah, the only history of him was through his own account. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, like he, she's like, oh yeah, who the hell is this guy? No one knows where he came from. Yeah, that's good to. That's a good point though. All Elizabeth knows of Wickham is from Wicca. What Wickham has told her. Mm. Of his former way of life, nothing had been known in Hertfordshire but what he told himself. Mm-hmm. As to his real character, had information been in her power, she had never felt a wish of inquiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even if she could have found out more about him, she had never had the wish to ask more, yeah, right? Yeah, maybe she was just choosing to kind of um, live in ignorance for a bit. Because, well, and well, we'll let's see why. See, why, yeah. why does it say? Uh-huh. His countenance, voice, and manner had established him at once in the possession of every virtue. Mm-hmm. So well, his, he was hot. He <laughs> and, a, so, and he was charming. And therefore yeah, virtuous. Yeah, he had a nice face. He had a nice <laughs> voice. And his manners were good. Yeah, yeah. He was generally charming. Uh, she tried to recollect some instance of goodness, some distinguished trait of integrity or benevolence that might rescue... Wickham from the attacks of Mr. Darcy, 
or at least by the predominance of virtue, atone for those casual errors under which she would endeavor to class than what Mr. Darcy had described as the idleness and vice of many years' continuance. Okay. Uh, just to go back, so it says his countenance, voice, and manner had established him at once in the possession of every virtue. Uh, so there's definitely a, some logic mi- missing in this <laughs> sentence. So I guess it, in the moment, because Wickham has a nice face and is charming, that must mean he's virtuous. Slash, in that moment, the only virtues Elizabeth can see are countenance, voice, and manners, right? <laughs> she forgets about all morals when talking to Wickham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says here, she tried to recollect some instance of goodness, some examples yeah, yeah. So, of, yeah, right, of right, Wickham uh-huh. acting good and acting benevolent or demonstrating integrity. Right. That might, that might rescue him, quote-unquote, rescue him from the attacks of Mr. Darcy. Uh-huh. Or at least by the predominance of virtue, atone for those casual errors under which she would endeavor to class. Oh, under which she would endeavor to class what Mr. Darcy had described as the idleness and vice of many years' continuance. Okay, so she tries to recollect Wickham doing one good thing, right? (laughs) And if she could remember him doing one good thing, that might be like, rescue him from the attacks of Darcy, prove that he is not as bad as Darcy says. Mm -hmm. Or it might show at least that he is not, that he is reformed from his previous ways, right? Yeah. Atone for those casual errors. (laughs) under which Elizabeth would endeavor to class what Mr. Darcy had described as the idleness and vice of many years' continuance. Here it is again, endeavor to class. Yeah, okay, so does Elizabeth really think that idleness and vice are casual errors? I don't think so. I don't think so, but I think she's trying to convince herself that they are, Mm. so as not to think that Wickham is as bad a guy, so as not to be totally wrong in her judgment of Wickham, right? But no such recollection befriended her. She she couldn't even think of one instance that would save Wickham's hide. There's some uh, personification for you there, folks. Uh, No such recollection befriended her. Yeah, she could really use a friend right now in the form of a recollection of Wickham acting good. Doing one decent (laughs) thing. Doing one decent Uh thing. (laughs) She could see him instantly before her, and every charm of air and address, almost like like a hologram of him appearing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But she... What? Or, I'm sorry, or like a thought bubble or something. Yeah, or like a ghost but she could remember no more substantial good than the general approbation of the neighborhood and the regard which his social powers had gained him in the mess. The mess hall. The mess hall, yeah. uh, Like where the soldiers hang out. So she, when she tries to recollect him doing something, all she can see is kind of like his face and his mm-hmm. charm yeah. and his air and his address, but she couldn't really remember a substantial... <laughs> a really a substantial act of goodness. The two good things, the two virtues Elizabeth can fairly ascribe to Wickham is that the neighborhood generally likes him because he's charming mm-hmm. and he also gets along well with his fellow soldiers. Yeah, the fact that he's tight with his bros, I don't... We, we'll see. It's like That's not. not a big check in his column. <laughs> uh, yeah, just me and the boys. After pausing on hit this point a considerable while... She once more continued to read. I think the point of the lack of good things she's seen Wickham do, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. She's like, name one good thing that he did, and she's drawing a blank. She's never seen him help a lady cross the street or be nice to a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but alas, the story which followed of his designs on Miss Darcy received some confirmation from what had passed between Colonel Fitzwilliam and herself only the morning before. Okay, all right, so she reads Darcy's first claims that Wickham was just, like, a drunkard and a gambler, and he sold his own right to the living, and she's like, well, I can't think of anything to disprove that, right? I, that, I want that to be unjust, but I can't prove that it is. Mm. And then she keeps reading, and then she gets to the story of Wickham's designs of Miss Darcy, and this receives some confirmation from what had passed between Colonel Fitzwilliam and herself the morning before. Yeah. So if we flip back to Volume 2, Chapter 10, there's uh, Elizabeth and Fitzwilliam are having a conversation while walking the grounds, and Elizabeth uh, says to Fitzwilliam, Does your charge give you much trouble? Does Miss Darcy give you and Mr. Darcy much trouble? Young ladies of her age are sometimes a little difficult to manage, and if she has the true Darcy spirit, she may like to have her own way. 
As Elizabeth spoke, she observed Fitzwilliam looking at her earnestly, in the manner in which he immediately asked her why she supposed Miss Darcy likely to give them any uneasiness, convinced her that she had somehow or other got pretty near the truth. Mm. So Elizabeth thinks back to this moment between her and Fitzwilliam, and she's like, ah, that's why Fitzwilliam looked so serious when I asked him if Miss Darcy ever gave them trouble, right? Yeah. Because he was thinking of this incident. Yeah, that's also why Fitzwilliam probably didn't give her a straight answer as to, like, what Miss Darcy is like. It's because he is probably in th- was in that moment recollecting the uh, the whole the whole thing with Wickham and the almost elopement. Yeah, remember, Wickham tells Elizabeth that Miss Darcy is, like, impetuous and tough to handle. And so then Elizabeth, in turn, asks Fitzwilliam, does Miss Darcy give you trouble? And Fitzwilliams he looks serious, and he's like, why? What have you heard? <laughs> and so she, after she reads this account of Wickham trying to seduce Miss Darcy, basically, she thinks back to this moment with Fitzwilliam, and she's like, oh, there's some... Context. There's some context, but also some proof. Or, you know, it, this does justice to Darcy's claim. This shows that maybe what Darcy's saying is true here. Yeah. Um, and at last, she was referred for the truth of every particular to Colonel Fitzwilliam himself, from whom she had previously received the information of his near concern in all his cousin's affairs, and whose character she had no reason to question. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah. Um, she remembers um, that Colonel Fitzwilliam also told Elizabeth that he and Mr. Darcy share... Um, the responsibility of looking after Miss Darcy, and she trusts Colonel Fitzwilliam's character and judgment, so she has no reason to, um, to doubt uh, his, um, his character. Yeah. So Darcy's like, if you don't believe me, this is what he says in the letter. Go ask for Colonel Fitzwilliam. Yeah. And she's like, well, I know Colonel Fitzwilliam knows everything about Darcy, and also I trust his character. Uh, at one time, Elizabeth had almost resolved on applying to him, on applying to Colonel Fitzwilliam. Mm-hmm. But the idea was checked by the awkwardness of the application, and at length wholly banished by the conviction that Mr. Darcy would never have hazarded such a proposal to confirm with Colonel Fitzwilliam if he had not been well assured of his cousin's corroboration. Right. So, so she... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, so she was like, almost, she almost was like, okay, I guess I can, if Darcy is telling me I can confirm with Fitzwilliam about everything that happened I'll go do that but then she's like nah this is that's gonna be super awkward Uh so I think this at one time kind of means for a time yeah right for a short time she almost considered or almost resolved on applying to Fitzwilliam and asking him to verify all these facts right but then she checks herself because oh wait that's gonna be a really awkward conversation right and then the whole idea of even talking to Colonel Fitzwilliam about this is wholly banished because Darcy was so sure of telling, Darcy was telling Elizabeth, hey, you can confirm with Colonel Fitzwilliam. And Darcy was so sure of it that it's, Elizabeth's like, well, he never would have done that if he wasn't sure that Colonel Fitzwilliam would corroborate Darcy's story. Absolutely. So she's like, I guess it's not necessary to ask. Yeah. He wouldn't have even offered it <laughs> if, like, if he was lying. Do you want to keep going? Sure. Elizabeth perfectly remembered everything that had passed in conversation between Wickham and herself in their first evening at Mr. Phillips's. Mm. So just to go back, if we look at that conversation again, everything that's being described here, you'll see. Like, Wickham is telling Elizabeth, like, very sketchy-sounding things, and she is totally believing him because he is so charming and handsome. Don't trust the handsome ones. It's always the handsome ones. (laughs) Well, they know they can get away with it. Yeah. But here, now she's going to look back at that evening herself. She remembers perfectly everything that passed in that conversation between Wickham and herself. Probably held on to the memory because it was a nice one until this moment. Yeah, well, see, like, I kind of feel like perfectly remember. She perfectly remembered appears quite often in this chapter because she perfectly remembers every conversation that she has with Wickham. Yeah, yeah, because she liked his attentions. Mm. But now it's going to be useful to have, though, so that she can look back at it (laughs) with an unbiased opinion. Many of Wickham's expressions were still fresh in her memory. She even remembered a lot of the the expressions he said. Mm Mm-hmm. She was now struck with the impropriety of such communications to a stranger and wondered it had escaped her before. Mm. So now she realizes, oh, wait, he really shouldn't have been bad-mouthing Darcy like that to a complete stranger, right? Yeah, a.k.a. herself. And yeah. she's surprised. She wonders that she hadn't realized how improprietous that was before. He was just that charming uh-huh. and handsome. She would have been willing to hear him talk about anything. <laughs> Elizabeth saw the indelicacy of Wickham putting himself forward as he had done, 
and the inconsistency of his professions with his conduct. Mm. Uh-oh. So not only does you see how improprietous and indelicate it was for Wickham to tell her all this info. Yeah, you don't uh-huh. just go up to a stranger and be like, yeah, this guy sucks. Here's uh-huh. what he did to me. Right, here's my whole family history. Mm-hmm. But also she's starting to see, uh-oh, the things he does does not line up with what he says, right? Mm-hmm. Elizabeth remembered that Wickham had boasted of having no fear of seeing Darcy, that Mr. Darcy Light might leave the country but that he should stay and stand his ground. Yet, Wickham had avoided the Netherfield Ball the very next week. Mm. So Wickham's like, I don't care. Let Darcy leave. Uh, I have no, you know, I have no shame in facing Darcy. I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And then he skips town next week when the ball happens. Yeah, she was so looking forward to dancing with Wickham at the ball and was so disappointed that he didn't show up. And she even was sort of like, oh... It was sort of like, oh, Darcy or Bingley must have not, or Bingley must have not yeah, invited him because, uh-huh. because Darcy told him not to. But then she learned that that wasn't the case, and then she just kind of like never really followed up on that thought. She's just been giving Bing, I mean, Wickham a free pass here for a long time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, she's had no reason really to question him otherwise, mm-hmm. but now she's like, that doesn't add up. <laughs> Elizabeth also remember, uh, etc., etc. She remembered also that till the Netherfield family had quitted the country. Wickham had told his story to no one but herself, right? Yeah, remember, she, he was sort of like, oh, don't, don't tell anyone. Yeah, don't tell this, uh-huh. Yeah. So this is what he was like when the Netherfield family was there. Until the Netherfield family had quitted the country, he had told the story to no one but herself, but that after their removal, it had been everywhere discussed. Yeah. They had then resolved, or that he then had no reserves, no scruples in sinking Mr. Darcy's character, though he had assured her that respect for the father would always prevent his exposing the son. Hmm. So he's like, when Wickham first tells Elizabeth his whole family history, he's like, don't spread this around, and I don't want to badmouth Darcy generally because I just respect his father so much. So that even though I hate the son, I am not going to you know, go around trashing him. Yeah. And then Darcy leaves town, and the first thing he does is start telling everyone about how bad Darcy is. Yeah, I recall that chapter, I think, was sort of, like, ending with, like, the town had decided that Mr. Darcy was the worst of men or something like that. Mm. So, complete 180 to what Wickham had, had claimed, that he would never poo-poo the Darcy name because he has that much respect for his father. And then as soon as he has the opportunity, he poo-poos on Mr. Darcy. I think this is really brazen of Wickham, and I don't think it's lack of strategy that he's just so inconsistent. I think it's just that he can get away with it. He has no lack of confidence in his ability to explain away whatever. I mean, uh, he has gotten away Uh, with it. He's still around, isn't he? He's still around. (laughs) Doing his thing. (laughs) Doing Uh, his thing. He just has to work for his living now. (laughs) And that's why he's so pissed off that I I have to work for my living. Uh, How differently did everything now appear in which Wickham was concerned? Mm. His attentions to Miss King, the rich young woman that he left Elizabeth for, his attentions to Miss King were now the consequence of views solely solely and hatefully mercenary, and the mediocrity of her fortune proved no longer the moderation of his wishes, but his eagerness to grasp at anything. Yikes. So... His attentions to Miss King, which Elizabeth even came to his defense of, uh-huh. were now the consequence of views solely and hatefully mercenary. Only for money grabbing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the mediocrity of Elizabeth's fortune. No, no, oh, sorry. Of Miss King's fortune. Miss King's uh-huh. fortune proved no longer the moderation of his wishes. Of, like, Wickham's ambitions, yeah. right? Uh-huh. But his eager to grasp at anything. So previously, Miss King is richer than Elizabeth, but she's not that rich, mm-hmm. right? So previously, Elizabeth saw Wickham going after Miss King, and she's like, well, Wickham's got to make a living too. And also, the fact that she's not, like, filthy rich must mean that he his ambitions have some moderation, that he's not just, like, purely a gold digger, right? Yeah, like, oh, he's willing to sort of settle for, like, a lesser sum of money. <laughs> a mediocre fortune. Uh, but, but now she realizes, oh, he was just desperate and needed anything, yeah, right? Yeah, he's willing to marry anyone for any kind of money, as long as there was money. His eagerness to grasp at anything. Ugh. Wickham's behavior to Elizabeth herself could now have had no tolerable motive. His behavior, his attention, like, paying address and attentions to Elizabeth. Mm. His behavior to herself could now have no tolerable motive. He'd either been deceived with regard to Elizabeth's fortune Mm. or had been gratifying his vanity 
by encouraging the preference which she believed she had most incautiously shown. Uh-oh. So, in light of what happened with Miss King, right. Elizabeth is now also viewing his his flirtations towards her mm-hmm. as in a different light. Right. Because what, yeah, what are the two motives she ascribes to Wickham here? That he had either thought that Elizabeth was richer than she really is because right. the Bennets are the most wealthy family in um, Hart, uh, Hertfordshire. And when he found out she wasn't, he booked it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or that he'd just been gratifying his vanity by encouraging the preference which she now realizes had been most incautiously shown. Yeah. The second motive is he just wanted her to, like, show that she liked him, right? Yeah. And now she realizes that she shouldn't have done that. It's like, oh, crap, I flirted a little too hard with him. Uh-huh. And he was just, like, leading her on to gratify his own vanity. Yeah. <laughs> Either motive, luck. very probable. <laughs> Maybe a little mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Every lingering struggle in Wickham's favor grew fainter and fainter. And in farther justification of Mr. Darcy... She could not but allow that Mr. Bingley, when questioned by Jane, had long ago asserted Darcy's ba- blamelessness in the affair. Mm. Remember, he's been doing this the whole time. Yeah, because like uh-huh. remember, um, they wanted to find out the true extent of the Darcy Wickham relationship and what actually had happened. And Mr. Bingley, true to his usual, you know, you know thick-headedness mm-hmm. knew nothing of it other than mr darcy darcy was blameless yeah and elizabeth just dismissed this she's like oh darcy just deceived him <laughs> but now she's remembering oh yeah that's right bingley always vouched for him yeah uh-huh. uh every lingering struggle in wickham's favor grew fainter and fainter and in further justification of darcy she could not but allow that bingley when questioned by jane had always asserted darcy's blamelessness in the affair yep That proud and repulsive, (laughs) as were Darcy's manners, Elizabeth had never, in the whole course of their acquaintance, an acquaintance which had latterly brought them much together and given her a sort of intimacy with Darcy's ways, seen anything that betrayed Darcy to be unprincipled or unjust. She had never seen anything that spoke of him as irreligious or immoral habits. Of spoke of him as having yeah. irreligious or immoral habits. So she's looking looking back on her own um, interactions with Darcy now. She's like, yes, he was proud and repulsive, which in my book means like repellent. Like he, other he like did not want to have hang out with people. Mm-hmm. He like repelled other people. She, the, yeah, he was proud and repulsive, but she had never. Um, and she was thinking, like, yeah, there was a time where um, an acquaintance which had latterly brought them much together. Yeah, was... even at just Rosings just now. Yeah, at uh-huh. Rosings. Um... So even though he's proud and repulsive, never in the whole qu- course of their acquaintance, and this had been an extensive acquaintance, which had brought them uh, close together many times, yeah. and which gave her a view of, like, the nature of his ways, right? Yeah. In all that time, she had never seen him betray himself to be unprincipled or unjust, right? right? And she never saw him having irreligious or immoral habits. Yeah. So he's proud and repulsive, but he's not unprincipled or unjust mm-hmm. or irreligious or immoral. Yeah, and Elizabeth should know because she spent a lot of time with him. Yes. And she she's familiar with his ways. Yes. That among Darcy's own connections, he was esteemed and valued. That even Wickham had allowed him merit as a brother, and that she had often heard him spo- speak so affectionately of his sister as to prove him capable of some amiable feelings. (laughs) So now Elizabeth remembers that everyone that knows Darcy really well, right, all of his friends esteem and value him. Even Wickham has said that he had some merit as a brother. And she remembers that he, she's heard him speak of Miss Darcy affectionately, so he must be able to have some kind of kind feelings, right? Yeah, he does have a heart. Uh Uh-huh. That his actions... That had his actions been what Wickham represented them, had Darcy's actions been what Wickham represented them to be, so gross a violation of everything right could hardly have been concealed from the world. Mm. Had what Wickham was saying about Darcy been true, so terrible a character could not have been concealed from the world, right? Yeah, if, like, if Wickham, if... Darcy is truly as evil and immoral as Wickham painted him to be. There's no way that that could have been concealed from the world. And especially because now we see um, Bingley esteems him. Um, yeah, B- Bingley esteems him. And even even Wickham is like, yeah, I'll allow that he's a good brother. And Elizabeth has seen 
that Darcy speaks really affectionately of his sister. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's no way that he could have, like, kept up this charade of being, like, a good person when actually... And, like, oh, that deep down, he is actually super evil and Like, immoral. as evil as Wickham yeah, yeah, yeah. describes like him that's, as. Yeah, that's almost Im- entirely impossible. Uh-huh. And Elizabeth's final reasoning on this point is that friendship between a person capable of the evils that Wickham describes and such an amiable man as Mr. Bingley was totally incomprehensible, right? Mm. She could not understand she could not reconcile the fact that bingley would be friends with such a monster as wickham describes right yeah (laughs) uh she grew absolutely ashamed of herself yikes so now she is like i was totally wrong in this situation Mm. of neither darcy nor wickham could she think without feeling that she had been blind partial prejudiced and absurd uh, I, I, absurd is the that's the odd one out here and i feel like that's almost uh she's tying herself to her family here <laughs> to her whole family minus jane mm. she's like you know what i showed some of the bennett absurd gene <laughs> it came out in me yeah maybe what does elizabeth say how despicably have i acted she cried i who have prided myself on my discernment i discernment I, who have valued myself on my abilities, who have often disdained the generous candor of my sister and gratified my vanity in useless or blamable distrust. How humiliating is this discovery? Yet, how just a humiliation. Had I been in love, I could not have been more wretchedly blind. But vanity, not love, has been my folly. Pleased with a preference of one and offended by the neglect of the other, on the very beginning of our acquaintance, I have courted prepossession and ignorance and driven reason away where either were concerned. Till this moment, I never knew myself. Wow. That's quite a harsh life lesson that, uh-huh. she, has, that she is uh, voicing right now. So don't worry, Darcy was not the only one who was humbled in this whole process. Yeah. And this is a necessary process for Elizabeth. I know she's being very harsh on herself here, but... Yeah, truly, I feel uh, like she's kind of self-flagellating herself a little tough, a little rough here. This is her journey Mm -hmm. to realize, oh, not everything I see in the world is the way I thought it was. Yeah. Which, that's that's the journey of coming of age, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, let's look at it and look at it closely. How despicably I've acted. I have prided myself on my discernment. I valued my own abilities of judging and who have often disdained the generous candor of Jane, right? Mm-hmm. Who have often disdained how... Uh, oh, who, uh, Elizabeth disdained. Yeah, yeah. So Elizabeth often disdained the generous candor of Jane, uh-huh. right? She's like, I, ah, you're too nice. <laughs> uh, and now she's like, how... <laughs> I was the one who was in the wrong here, Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, oh, uh-huh. who was I to judge? I'm, I'm no better. How humiliating is this discovery? Mm. But it's a just humiliation. Mm. Had I been in love, I could not have been more wretchedly blind. But what was deceiving her? Vanity. Yeah. Vanity, not love, has been my folly. It wasn't that she was blinded by love. It was that she was blinded by her own van... Her thought that she is so good at reading people and that, that she maybe has a that she thought maybe she had like a um a, a better head on her shoulders mm-hmm. than Jane because Jane is just too nice. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is Elizabeth did not think she was biased up mm. until this point. But now yeah. she's realizing that she was, that she wasn't discerning based on true judgment. She was letting her own perceptions of herself get in the way of her perceptions of others, right? Mm. It says pleased with the preference of one, who's that? Wickham. And offended by the neglect of the other. Darcy yeah, on the very beginning of our acquaintance, what what is this? In, what incident is she specifically talking about here? Oh, mm, she's she is uh, tolerable. Wait, she's tolerable, but not uh, handsome enough to tempt me. So this might be the inciting <gasps> incident of the novel. This yeah. is what forever, or until this point, slanted Darcy against Elizabeth, right? Or li- Made sure made Elizabeth think lowly of Darcy. It was yeah. this moment specifically. Yeah, if one guy calls you ugly and another guy flirts with you every moment he gets, you're gonna side with the one who flirts with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is this is the original sin of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> is the Darcy sliding of Elizabeth. Mm. 
Uh, Vanity, not love, has been my folly. Pleased with the preference of Wickham, and offended by the neglect of Darcy on the very beginning of our acquaintance, I've courted, I like the use of romantic language here, I have courted prepossession <laughs> and ignorance. Some more um, personification for uh, you. I have courted prepossession and ignorance and driven reason away where either were concerned, mm. where either Wickham or Darcy were concerned. Mm. And the larger realization, till this moment, I never knew myself. I never realized how prejudiced I was mm -hmm. this whole time. Not only was I wrong about Wickham and Darcy, I was wrong about myself also. Mm -hmm. From herself to Jane, from Jane to Bingley, her thoughts were in a line which soon brought her to her recollection that Mr. Darcy's explanation there about the whole Jane and Bingley situation mm -hmm. had appeared very insufficient. So initially she was like, that's not enough for Dar like Darcy's claim is not enough that, oh, he just thought that Jane was indifferent. Yeah, she did not buy anything Darcy was saying when she yeah. first read the letter the first time. Yeah. Uh -huh. And she read it again. So this is now this is very important. She realized, uh oh, I was wrong about the Wickham Darcy situation. What else am I wrong about? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, widely different was the effect of a second perusal. How could she deny that credit to his assertions in one instance? Which she had been obliged to get, which, sorry, which she had been obliged to give in the other. How could she deny credit to Darcy's assertion in the Wickham affair, mm -hmm. which she? Oh, I'm sorry. How could she deny Darcy's assertions in the Jane Bingley affair, mm. uh, while giving credit to Darcy's assertions in the Wickham affair? Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. How can she say that Darcy is lying about Jane and Bingley when she says she he's telling the truth about Wickham? Mm -hmm. He declared himself to have been totally unsuspicious of her sister's attachment. And she could not help remembering what Charlotte's opinion had always been. Neither could she deny the justice of his description of Jane. She felt that Jane's feelings, though fervent, were little displayed, and that there was a constant, constant complacency in Jane's air manner, not often united with great sensibility. Mm -hmm. so, so now, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Now that she has, now that she's, you know, gained the power of, of unbiased judgment, she is thinking back to the Netherfield ball again, and paired with what Charlotte had told Elizabeth. Uh, remember, yeah, Darcy like, is not the only person who has said this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlotte's opinion, and Elizabeth trusts Charlotte. Um, She's like, oh, yeah, like, though Jane's feelings were fervent, they were a little displayed. Yeah, Elizabeth knows Jane's feelings, mm -hmm. but if you're not her sister, it's much harder to discern them, yeah, right? Yeah, I remember uh, we've seen this before. We've seen Elizabeth reading Jane's letters and how Jane will say something, but Elizabeth can immediately detect that she's actually feeling something else. Jane only speaks, like, cheerfully, basically. <laughs> yeah, it takes... Elizabeth has a special perception of Jane, and she, I think she just forgets the rest of the world doesn't have this also. Yeah, yeah. Um, when she came to that part of the letter in which her family were mentioned, in terms of, in terms of such mortifying yet merited reproach, her sense of shame was severe. Mm -hmm. The injustice of the... Oh, sorry. The justice of the charge struck her too forcibly for denial, and the circumstances to which he particularly alluded, as having passed at the Netherfield Ball, and as confirming all his first disapprobation, could not have made a stronger impression on his mind than on hers. So now she's thinking back to how mortifying her whole family was at the Netherfield Ball, and she's yeah. like, oh, I guess Darcy has a point, right? Yeah, because uh, remember, Elizabeth was equally mortified at the ball. She's like, well, I guess if I if that left... If my family's actions at the Netherfield Ball left an impression on my mind, I could. she could only imagine the impression that it left on his mind. Mm -hmm. The compliment to herself and her sister was Which, not unfelt. <laughs> Darcy's compliment is that you and Jane are both so, you know, you're both such good people that it's an extra compliment to you, too, that you came <laughs> from such terrible people as the rest of your family. Yeah. So, which which kind of might be like a backhanded compliment, but in this case, I kind of feel like it's a true compliment. It is, well, it is a backhanded compliment in Darcy's mouth, but it is also generally true in the terms of the story. Like, it is kind of amazing Elizabeth and Jane are both normal, healthy people, despite the rest of the family. <laughs> it soothed 
but it could not console her for the contempt which had been thus self-attracted by the rest of the family. Which the rest of the family had attracted to itself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh, that's nice of you to say, Darcy, but it doesn't really console me for the, for, of the um, actual contempt that my family attracts. And as she considered that Jane's disappointment had in fact been the work of her nearest relations, the family, and reflected how materially the credit of both must be hurt by such impropriety of conduct by, for both Jane and Elizabeth, right? Mm-hmm. She felt depressed beyond anything she had ever known before. Yeah, so what she now realizes that the reason Jane and Bingley broke up was because of her own family. Like, the Bennets are the ones who are responsible for the end of this engagement, not Darcy, right? Yeah, the uh, ultimate irony there. Jane's disappointment had, in fact, been the work of her nearest relations and reflected how materially the credit on both Elizabeth and Jane must be hurt by such impropriety of conduct that the rest of her family displayed, right? Yeah. And this makes Elizabeth feel depressed beyond anything she had ever known before. That it's like the... Yeah, it is depressing to think that the biggest thing holding you and your sister back is your own family. And she'd also been blaming Darcy and the Miss Bingley, the Mrs. Bingleys, (laughs) for this for forever. Yeah, she's like, Uh oh, it's them. They're just proud and haughty. But it's actually like, no, in hindsight, my family is actually trash and... I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to be attached to my family either. (laughs) You want to keep going? Yes. Oh, well, so this is when we realize that she's actually been walking this whole time. (laughs) After wandering the lane for two hours, giving way to every variety of thought, reconsidering events, determining probabilities, and reconciling herself as well as she could to a change so sudden and so important, fatigue and a recollection of her long absence made Elizabeth at length return home. So she's just been wandering around for hours, feeling different thoughts, thinking different things, feeling different feelings, thinking different thoughts. <laughs> and all of a sudden she realizes, I've been gone forever. Yeah. I should get back to the parsonage. <laughs> she's probably like, oh, wow, the sun has set. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she re-entered the house with the wish of appearing cheerful as usual and the resolution of repressing such reflections as must make her unfit for conversation. Reflections of all that's just passed. Mm. In the house, she was immediately told that the two gentlemen from Rosings had each called during her absence. Mr. Darcy, only for a few minutes to take leave, but that Colonel Fitzwilliam had been sitting with them at least an hour, hoping for her return, and almost resolving to walk after her till she could be found. So what do you think Fitzwilliam is doing there, hanging around so long? Um, what do you think? I think he is there at Darcy's behest to answer all the claims of the letter to justify all of Darcy's uh, assertions. In hindsight, that makes sense because, um, yeah, yeah, it kind of seems like Darcy and Colonel Fitzwilliam are like pretty thick as thieves here. Mm -hmm. So like he probably even Darcy even told Fitzwilliam, like, I'm going to tell Elizabeth what happened with Miss Darcy and she might come to you for confirmation, and I need you to do that for me. It does make me wonder if Darcy told Fitzwilliam about his intention to propose. Hmm. I don't know. I'm unsure. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's why I think uh, Fitzwilliam is hanging around so long. Hmm. You want to read the last sentence? Sure. Elizabeth could but just affect concern in missing him. Pretend. Uh Uh-huh. She really rejoiced at it. Colonel Fitzwilliam was no longer an object. She could only think of her letter. Yeah, so any anything she cared about Colonel Fitzwilliam, that's out the window now. Mm-hmm. She's busy thinking of something else. Yeah, uh, Colonel who? <laughs> <laughs> and to remember, she doesn't feel like she has to talk to Fitzwilliam to get his, uh, you know, verification of what Darcy says. She's like, well, if Darcy referred me to him, he must be telling the truth. Yeah, which is very different than how she initially thought about darcy was just like like i can't believe anything he says now it's like i don't even need confirmation from this guy that i actually trust i believe darcy wholeheartedly through his own letter that's a good point and so that's the end of this chapter yep and just before we close i want to talk a little bit about the wickham darcy elizabeth love triangle and what this whole affair is doing what the reason that it's in the book and what it does for elizabeth's character the darcy wickham affair (laughs) and i think it really it's it sets off the realization that I was wrong about Darcy. You know, if I'm wrong about this situation, maybe there's other things I'm wrong about. And maybe I'm looking at people, especially Darcy, in a prejudiced way with my own biases, 
when in fact I, uh, well, Elizabeth thinks she's judging things clearly, but now she realizes that she's actually very influenced by her biases and prejudice. Yeah. And so I think that's the reason, that's why this whole affair is in the story. It's to set off Elizabeth's realization of, oh, maybe I'm wrong about other things. Yeah, like, let's throw this charming, this charming, handsome man, who's sort of like the antithesis of Darcy, Mm -hmm. um, into her, into her, in her way. Yeah. And then let's take that and demonstrate Kind of that just because he is handsome and charming and everyone loves him does not necessarily make him a good person. And this is not even the first... I'm thinking of, like, Willoughby, for example, mm. in Sense and Sensibility. Oh, well, Austin loves her villains. Yeah, yeah. her uh, charming, handsome villains. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is Wickham plays a little bit more of a peripheral role in this story. Still very important, still integral to the story, but there's no, like, moment where, you know, Wickham and Darcy have a duel... There's a little overlap in their affections, but not really. Like, Wickham was already out of the picture by this moment in the book. Yeah. It's just that she's like, you, she has to realize, I thought Wickham was all the way up here and Darcy was all the way down here, where in fact, I was looking at it upside down, right? Mm, yeah. And it's all because I got slighted by Darcy, and that had, and that solidified my view of Darcy for, like, the entire time I've known him up until this point. She has, she recognizes that it's like, oh, it was... It was that instance of him turning me down that that um, formed my opinion of him. Mm-hmm. Like anything, yeah, that's true. Anything yeah, that's else, a big realization. Anything uh-huh. else afterwards was just more fodder to believe him to be bad and more fodder for me to believe Wickham is good. Right. I was biased against Darcy right from the beginning, and now I realize that. And that's a tough pill to swallow that, like, you know, the guy who turned you down was actually right all along. Uh-huh. And the guy who flirts with you, who makes you feel good about yourself, is actually a knave and a scoundrel. Yeah, well, that's just how smart of a storyteller Austin is, is it's always about character and the internal feelings of character rather than external action. Mm-hmm. And that is why it is a love triangle, the three of them, but they you like you only see them all together very briefly. Yeah. No, There's no like physical outward action involved. It's all about Elizabeth's emotional process her own journey and how darcy and wickham both fit into that and maybe darcy spoiler alert would never have won elizabeth in the end if it wasn't for wickham well actually yes wickham Definitely. is he's <laughs> integral to the their eventual marriage oh yeah don't worry there's so much more to come in this book which is a very ironic use of the villain mm-hmm. it's not just like shunning him away at the end of the book we're getting ahead of ourselves here yeah it's it's actually further um I'd say, like, just humiliation for Darcy, but we'll get to that. Uh, well, a lesser book would have shown us the Darcy-Wickham standoff, yeah. and we're about to see what a very interesting narrative is going to do with that, mm-hmm. do with this rivalry. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we can uh, stop there. All right. Well, until Volume 2, Chapter 14, I'm Tom. And I'm Grace. Bye.